Hi, this is Pastor David Cooper. Thank you for joining my podcast. I pray that the Word of God will be a blessing to you. I also want to ask you to share the podcast with others. Together, we can make an impact in people's lives as we introduce them to the Word of God. Thank you for your partnership and ministry of the Mount Perrin family and our outreach. I pray that the Word of God will be a blessing to you today. Everybody wants to know the future. Many people worry about what's going to happen. They wonder about what's going to happen. They want to know the future of their own life. Sometimes people seek out people just to try to give them a glimpse of the future. I heard about a man who was in his 30s, and he always wanted to get married, and no date ever worked out. He couldn't get a girl to stay with him, and he was worried about his future if he'd ever get married and have a family. So he went to a psychic, and the psychic kind of looked at his life and said, well, you're going to be broke and single until you're 40. He said, well, what after that? She said, well, by then you will have gotten used to it. Personally, I don't really want to know the future. There's no telling what's out there. I trust God with the future. I focus on today and find it to be a much more peaceful way of living than to try to wonder and worry about every possible thing that might happen down the road. I've learned if you'll live your life fully today, God will take care of the future. And that's the message of the book of Revelation, that God will take care of the future. This book that reveals to us who Jesus is. This book that's a revelation for the church to encourage us that God is in control. This book that's a book of the revelation of world events to understand the movements and changes of history. This is a book about the future as well. It gives us an insight into some of the things generally, not specifically, generally, that will unfold in the course of human history and where history is headed. So in the first chapter, when Jesus appears to John, he gives him this revelation Toward the end of that first chapter, Jesus summarizes what the book is about. After John has had a visitation from Jesus and seen him as glory, Jesus gives him the charge to write the book of Revelation. And here we learn what the book is about. And Christ says to John, write, therefore, what you have seen. I love the fact that the Bible is a written book, not just oral tradition, not just hearsay, these these stories, these parables, these principles, these truths over years, God inspired holy men to write down the word of God as given to them by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit so that it's consistent year after year, generation after generation. We can read the book. Write, therefore, what you have seen. Well, that's past tense. What is now, that's present, and what will take place later. So that statement of Jesus is important. Here's a book about the past, the present, and the future. Now, some people miss the revelation because they think it's only about the future. It's not. It's about the past, what God has done in history, what God is doing right now in history, and what God will do in the future. Jesus says to John, the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and of the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars are the angels. That word means messengers. At that time, the pastor. The angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are of the seven churches. That's Revelation chapter 1, verse 19 and 20. And that brief passage there summarizes what the book is about. The things that were, that you have seen, the things that are, and the things that will be. It's a book that says Jesus holds the pastors of the church, and that also represents all the people in the church. So think of that. Jesus holds us in his hand. What a safe place to be in the hand of God. And the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Seven represents completion, the completed church. And Jesus puts the church in every city, in every community, in every part of the world as a lampstand. We are the light of the world, a city set upon a hill. 
And as an individual Christian, God puts you as a lampstand in your family, a lampstand where you work. So here's a book about the past, the present, and the future, but we want to focus on what is coming in the future. Well, the book of Revelation gives us some great themes that are going to transpire in the future. Now, the first theme that emerges to us, obviously, is that judgment will come on the world. When we think of judgment, we may think of the great flood of Noah. That was certainly judgment. Or the judgment of Sodom and Gomorrah. When the people were in both those instances were given the opportunity to, to repent and to be saved, but they wouldn't listen. We might think of judgment as when Moses appeared in the court of Pharaoh, said, let my people go. And he rebelled against God and hardened his heart. And Moses turned the Nile River into blood. And then there was a plague of frogs, a plague of lice, a plague on the agriculture until finally Pharaoh relented. He could have avoided all of those judgments had he just obeyed God, but he rebelled. Exodus chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, and Moses said, let my people go. And he said, who is the Lord that I shall obey him? Because he wouldn't obey God. He brought all that judgment on himself. Well, in Revelation chapters 8 through 11, you see judgments. They're illustrated in these seven trumpet judgments. These seven angels sound seven trumpets. And you'll see hail and fire. You'll see the moon turn to blood. The sun is dark and the stars fall from the sky. You see seven bowls of wrath. You see glimpses of Armageddon of the last and great war. You see the abyss of hell open and these demon locusts come out, these frightening figures. Well, all those symbols and images, as frightening as they are to see, they are just illustrating for us the judgment of God on the world. And judgment comes from two sources. First of all, if God directly intervenes in judgment, he only does that to discipline or to bring repentance, not to destroy. God is never interested in destroying humanity. And second of all, judgment comes because of the natural consequences of our sins. Most of the things that occur in the book of Revelation and in the world today are the results of human sin. Judgment is clearly articulated by Paul in Galatians 6, 7 through 9. Listen to it carefully. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A person reaps what he sows. If he or she sows to the flesh, from their flesh they'll reap corruption. But if he or she pleases to the Spirit, they shall from the Spirit reap life everlasting. 99% of the problems in the world today and in the world in the past are because of human sin, the war, the greed, the hatred, the violence. That's the suffering of humanity is caused by us. And God allowing us to reap the natural consequences of our decisions affects all of us. Even the people we're connected to, even the country we live in. We are all at times victims of the sin and poor decisions of others. So judgment may be God intervening in the world, and he will, and he does. In times we probably don't even see it or know it's God at work. Other times it's the result of human sin and disobedience. So both dynamics are always at work in understanding judgment. And the goal of all judgment, as far as God is concerned, is to bring us to repentance. Second Peter 3 and 9, God is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but that everyone should come to repentance. In Micah chapter 7, and verse 18 and 19, we learn that God relents in sending judgment. God has no pleasure in judgment, but he delights in mercy. He's abounding in love. So we know in history today, there's judgment. There's judgment that's coming. 
Second of all, we know from the book of Revelation that throughout church history, Satan will oppose the church, but he will lose the fight. That's what the book of Revelation chapter 12 clearly articulates. Spiritual warfare is real. He sees this great red dragon in a vision. He tells us who it is. The ancient serpent, also called the devil or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. Ephesians 6 and 10 says, Why our struggle is not with flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces in the heavenly realms. Put on the full armor of God. As we go out in our ministry in the world, as we send forth missionaries, as we share Christ, as we pray for our nation, we realize that we enter the enemy's territory and he fights back. So there is persecution and there is spiritual warfare. And we understand that that's a very real part of what's going on in human history. It's not all politics. It's not all economics. There are spiritual forces of evil at work in the world. And if you don't understand that, you can't understand the movement of history. But that's revealed to us. There's power behind the throne. There's power behind these politicians. Even the great red dragon, Satan himself, is the one who gives his power and authority to the beast or the Antichrist. Think of that, a demonic, motivated, and possessed figure the Bible calls the Antichrist. Politicians throughout history, we've seen some of them be completely taken over by demons. How else can you explain the, the gruesome murders of the people in Cambodia by Pol Pot, the dictator, or Adolf Hitler, or some of the Roman emperors? or some of the despots in the world today that are bringing untold suffering upon the citizens of their own country because they rule them with an iron fist, men that are demonically inspired. So spiritual warfare is real, and we understand, well, that's part of the world in which we're living, but we have victory in Christ. Jesus said, the enemy shall not harm you. No power shall harm you in Luke chapter 10, verse 19, because I've given you authority over demonic forces. The third thing we see in the future is that the Antichrist and his kingdom called Mystery Babylon will emerge as found specifically in Revelation 13 and 14 and also chapter 17 and 18. We see the fall of Mystery Babylon the Great. Babylon that represents evil. All the way back from Genesis 11, the Tower of Babel. That's the root of the word Babylon the cradle of civilization, the Tower of Babel, the idolatry, the worship of the stars, astrology, and ancient Babylon. We see later the kingdom of Babylon that, that invaded the Holy Land and brought the Jews into captivity under Nebuchadnezzar the Great. Peter closes out his first letter in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 13, and he says, greet those who are in Babylon. He's there making an allusion to the city of Rome. It was a spiritual Babylon. It means confusion. And here we see mystery Babylon the Great, it's used to describe, using these ancient images of Babylonian culture. It's used in Babylon of the past and the oppression of the people of God in Judean history to show what the Antichrist is going to do to persecute the people of God. The Antichrist is coming. There are many Antichrists in the world today, First John tells us, and there is the Antichrist coming. It tells us, fourth of all, and most importantly, Jesus will return again. He'll come at the Battle of Armageddon, the last of all great wars. The only place in the Bible where the word Armageddon appears is in Revelation. It's found in chapter 16, verse 15 and 16. And in Revelation chapter 19, verse 11 through 16, you see a dramatic vision of the second coming of Jesus. At this final battle, the Antichrist is defeated and within the false prophet, they are thrown forever into the lake of fire. Evil is destroyed at the triumphal return of Christ. Armageddon is the hill of Megiddo. That's a mountain in northern Jezreel. Napoleon called it the most natural battlefield in the world. The place where this final war will take place. And look at the world today. Of all the nations in the world, this little nation of Israel today, again, is at the center of world history in this very moment. 
this small, tiny country that's about half the size of the state we live in here in Georgia. And yet it's the center of the world, and it will be in the last days when the last great final war is fought in that region of the world. But Christ will return as King of kings and Lord of lords. So don't fear Armageddon. Don't fear the Antichrist. Don't fear the mark of the beast. Christ will return. And the fifth great theme that the book ends with is that God is going to create a new heaven and a new earth, Revelation 21 and 22. And that's what the Bible tells us in Isaiah 65, verse 17. And what Peter tells us in 1 Peter 3 and 13, God will make a new heaven and a new earth. That doesn't mean he's going to obliterate what exists in the universe, but there's going to be a renewal. There's going to be a restoration of the world, a restoration and a return back to the original order of perfection. You know, if you open your Bible and you just read about the Garden of Eden, even though we're told very little about it, you think, man, that'd be an amazing place to live in the Garden of Eden, in the paradise of God. And yet sin is into the world and suffering is in the world. We've turned the world into a wilderness when it was created to be a paradise. But you know, at the end, God is going to bring us back to paradise. Revelation 2 and 7, Jesus says, to the one who overcomes, I'll give the right to eat from the tree of life which is in the paradise of God. And here in Revelation 22, he sees this river flowing from the throne of God. And on the banks of the river there is the tree of life bearing fruit, a picture of God returning us to the garden, returning us to a state of perfection. So the book of Revelation ends with a promise of Jesus. The last words you hear in the Revelation are the, Words of Jesus speaking to us. The same way you read the Gospels and hear Jesus say things directly, here Jesus appears again to us in the book of Revelation, speaking to you, to me, and to us as his church. And what does Jesus tell us at the end of the book? Look, I am coming soon. Make a note of that. And all you see in the world, just remember Jesus' words, I am coming soon. My reward, Jesus says, is with me. And I will give to each person according to what they have done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. In other words, I'm in control of history, and I'm bringing history to the point when I return to its ultimate conclusion and restoration to paradise. Jesus goes on and says, well, Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to eat from the tree of life, Remember when Adam and Eve were driven from the garden because of their sin, and there were these two mighty angels called cherubim, and they had these flaming swords of fire that just guarded the way to the tree of life. They couldn't get back to it. But here, look at Jesus saying, I've restored everything you lost. And even in your life today, even in your life today, Jesus can restore what you've lost in your life. So he gives us a blessing, a beatitude. Blessed are those who've washed their robes. You've come by the way of the cross and been forgiven. You have the right to the tree of life that Adam and Eve lost. You have the right to the tree of life and you can go through the gates into the new city of God. I, Jesus. If you ever doubt the book of Revelation, don't because this is Jesus' book to us. Jesus speaks directly to us and says to John, write this down and give it to my people. You say, I need a word from Jesus today. Well, read the book of Revelation. He says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. All the religious figures and politicians that people have looked up to, Jesus is the bright morning star. The, the, shines the brightest. He's the savior of the world. The spirit, that is the Holy Spirit. And the bride, that is the church in the book of Revelation, the bride of Christ. Say, come. What does that mean? It means that a spirit 
inspired church is preaching to the world saying, come to Christ. And let everyone who hears say, come. In other words, when you become a believer and you hear the gospel, then you tell your family and friends, come to Christ. Let the one who is thirsty come. Are you thirsty for some real spiritual meaning today? Your religion left you empty. Your atheism left you empty. If you're thirsty for real truth and salvation and grace and forgiveness, if you really want to know God, if you have a spiritual thirst, Jesus says, whoever's thirsty, let the one who wishes, if you want to, take the free gift of the water of life. You can come to Christ today. Salvation is a free gift. Forgiveness of your sins is a free gift. The hope of heaven is a free gift. It doesn't come by religion or good works or personal morality. The salvation from your sins and the hope of heaven is a gift. Come and take it freely. Receive Jesus as your Savior. And then Jesus gives us a caution. And to any false teacher, and by the way, wants to distort the book of Revelation, turn it into something it's not intended to be. He says, I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this scroll, if anyone adds anything to them, God will add to that person the plagues described in the scroll. If anyone takes words away from the scroll of prophecy, God will take away from that person any share in the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in this scroll. What a caution to ministers and preachers and teachers. What a warning to these false prophets of the day. How about people say Jesus isn't going to come again when he specifically says three times you're at the end of the book, I'm coming soon. Take it away. He said, I'm coming soon. They take it away. People distort it. They take these symbols and they twist them and make them mean whatever they want it to mean. One group says the 144,000 means only 144,000 people are going to heaven. That's ridiculous. They came out with that in the late 1800s. That's not with the 144,000. It's a multiple of 12, the people of God. It's a symbol of a great number. There's 7 billion people in the world today. If only 144,000 have been saved throughout history, we're all doomed. That's absurd. That kind of distortion that confuses people. Jesus gives a caution about that. He said, you read this book and you take it at face value. You'll see these things happening in history today and you know what's going to happen. So he cautions us. I don't think you can apply it to all of the scripture. We don't need to be adding to or taking away from anything or twisting it, distorting it, and having our own private interpretation about it. It's not that. We need to let the word of God speak to us. And that's why I bring you these teachings just to hear the scripture and try to apply them to where we live. But Jesus ends by saying, he who, that's him, that's Christ saying, he who testifies of these things says, yes, I am coming soon. And then John says, amen, so be it. I agree with that, Lord. Come, Lord Jesus. We're all looking forward to the Lord Jesus to return in his timing, in his will, in the sovereignty of God. And then John ends with a, a blessing. This, I love the way the Bible ends. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. That's Revelation 22, verse 14 through 21 that we've looked at. That's the last statement of the Bible. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. And I pray today that God will give you the grace you need, whether it's saving grace to receive Christ as your Savior, strengthening grace to help you get through a difficult time, supplying grace to meet every need you have, healing grace, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with God's people. Join me for prayer. Lord, we thank you today for the insights the book of Revelation gives us to understand that you're the God of the past, present, and future, that you are in control. And I pray today that you will minister grace to your people at their point of need. In your holy name, we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining me for this brief study of the book of Revelation as we've kind of just 
taking a general overview to understand what this amazing book is about. If you haven't heard all the teachings, go back and check them out. There are four of them and get the study guide as well. Share them with your family and friends and just send it to them. Everybody wants to know what this book is about. Four of them, the study guide. Say, listen to these four teachings that'll help you understand what God has in store for us. Do me a favor. I want you to subscribe today to my social media. Continue to follow me on social media so that you and I can stay together and you can stay connected to the Mount Parent ministry as well. And if you don't have the Mount Parent app, make sure you download it today in your phone. Great way to participate in the life and the ministry of the church. Share the app with as many people as you can. Let's all be evangelists. Let's all be ministers and get as many people connected to our ministry. People need Christ today. People need hope. Less and less people seem to be focusing on spiritual things. And you can be a tremendous minister just by sharing with them the Mount Parent meeting ministry that can help them and bless them. You'll never really know how the Lord may take just a message or a song and use it to revolutionize a person's life, a friend of yours, a family member. So get the Mount Parent app and share it with your friends as well. I love you. I'm praying for you. Sunday's coming. I look forward to seeing you and your family for church on campus. If you can't be with us here, certainly online. God bless you. Have a great day. Thank you for joining me today as we've shared together the Word of God. Let me ask you to download the Mount Perrin Church app today so that we can stay connected and you can see all the great services and resources available for you and your family. Follow me on social media and also the Mount Perrin Church family. I look forward to seeing you in church to worship on campus and online. God bless you. Have an incredible day.